This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. It's a Nerdy Legion Comics Podcast, so to speak. But I'm poor. No, no, yeah. So nothing is safe. So be careful, Ronnie. <laughs> hey jay how's it going dennis going well all right so welcome listeners we're ready for another episode of best of the rest yes so tonight uh, jay and i are going to be talking about the hard case crime series from titan comics um i think they've been out maybe for about a year now has it been a year or has it been about like nine months at the beginning of this year well, this is where it gets a little bit confusing because I started doing some research on hard case crime, and I found out that it's really hard case crime with the same logo that they have actually started in 2004, and they were doing hard-boiled crime novels. Kind of like the old pulps? Yeah, like the old, you know... Uh, Pulps from the 50s and 60s, Raymond Chandler, some of the great classic hard-boiled fiction writers. And they were doing this, and at some point, I think a year to two years ago, they started going into comics. And some of the comic books, as far as I can tell, they're, they're taking their comic book versions of the, the original prose books, novels, but there are some original comic books that they're doing along with it. And at some point, again, I haven't figured this out either. I tried to do this research, but I, research, but I couldn't find it. When Titan Comics, which is a British comic book company, when they started licensing Hard Case Crime, the Hard Case Crime imprint was not originally part of Titan Comics. So I don't know how, what their association or business dealings are there but it really doesn't matter but it's it's one of those things i tried to research it and it just got more confusing as i went along yeah i think i looked it up and when i did it was pulling up those pulp ones and i was kind of getting confused whether or not well, where's these pulps coming back and then you see the dates and everything so um, yeah my familiarity is only with the Titan releases, and I think so far that has been the assignment, uh, the Girl the Dragon Tattoo, which has ended, and then the Girl Who Played with Fire, which is the sequel, and Normandy Gold. Correct. And I and I know there's some additional titles coming out here in the next couple of months. And as far as I can tell, the assignment is finished as well. It was three issues back early in the year. Yes, I, I found issue one. I think thanks for you, but I cannot find issues two or three anywhere. I know they're available on Comixology, and I haven't. I don't think they're on Hoopla, but you and I are both now on that. Yes, it's a great. If you're not familiar with Hoopla, it's a digital service that's offered through libraries. So you check your local public library and see if they have an association with Hoopla, and you can download uh, eBooks 
both prose and they also have comic books. And they have a pretty good selection of comic books I found. And and they also have recent ones I was noticing on there. Some stuff like from once they get the trade paperback. Actually, I actually signed up for it this past weekend and I noticed there was I thought there was a book being offered on it that had just come out the week prior. I think so. I do know that all three issues of Normandy Gold are out there. And issue three is less than a month out. Been out. Does it have uh, parental warnings on it? I don't. I didn't look that closely, so I don't know. Because as we as we will discuss, they are hard case crime yes. books, and, and there they are. There is nudity and swearing in them. Yes, and for Paul Paul Tessner's sake, there may be a occasional wrinkly penis. So you may want to watch out for that. <laughs> yeah, but Hoopla's great. Um, the only thing is the mileage may vary on your library. Yes, it's a, because the library has to pay a fee for each book that's downloaded. So the library sets the limit to the number of books you can do per month. I know for me it's four per month. I think Paul said he has five per month. You have ten. Yes, I have. I can check out ten items a month. Now that includes like books, audiobooks, uh, movies, what, whatever the item is. So yeah, I can do ten of them. So I actually downloaded the first four volumes of Sandman the other night because I, I've only I only got the final chapters and that the kindly ones back when it was originally being published, and I've always gone, meant to go back and read them. So I'm going to use Hoopla to finally uh, read the Sandman. Very nice. And then we'll see what else after that, because I still have six more things I can download this month. And it resets at the beginning. Since I did it last week, I can do those 10 in the next two weeks. And then at the beginning of uh, October, I get another 10. Yes, that was my first question was, all right, does it is it go by calendar month or month based on when you joined? Like if you joined September 17th. Do you have 10 titles between the se- September 17th and October 17th? I think I'm pretty sure it's calendar month. No, for me, it's calendar months. They specifically yeah, laid that out for me. So, so yes, I, I'm doing that. I, I am a long holdout on digital comics, but it starts to get expensive after a while. So I am, I am dipping my toe into the digital comic experience. Now, I will say Hoopla does not have, have guided view, does correct? Not, no. So I think that is the only thing. But, uh, you know, once I got on there and I found the selection, I found it was offering, Hoopla is a very nice thing. So just go to your public library. All you need is a library card. Uh, if, they've, if they're up with Hoopla, then you just download the app, put in your 10-digit, you know, library card number, and you're off and running. You just need to find out. What you're, what they're limiting you to be able to yes. download. It's a very good service, and I know it's coming in handy for both you and I because, especially now that we're doing this podcast, we're reading a lot of number one issues of new independent comics, and at three ninety nine, sometimes four ninety nine a shot, doesn't take many to it. Really, starts <laughs> getting expensive, and this is a way of trying out some things that you may or may not continue with. 
and it gives our listeners also if some of what um, we talk about is available on Hoopla, then they can go and check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's like, uh, and some of these hard case crime books are five ninety nine. Like the girl with the dragon tattoo, they were five ninety nine. But as we will discuss, they were about twice the size of your regular comic, at least, if not more. So you, so so you. So you, you the the value was there on them. Oh, absolutely, I agree. All right. So, how do you want to dive into this? Do we want to talk about the books in particular? We want to spoil them, or we just kind of want to get our impressions and you know, kind of the kind of the settings and the genre and what we thought about thought about the books. Well, we can talk a little bit about I think each book. Yeah. Okay. So, how about we start with the assignment? I think that was actually the first one of these that ever that, that came out that we're familiar with from Titan. Right. And I th- think it came out in January. It was either late 2016 or early 2017. Um, but I think it's set in modern times, and you're following an assassin for hire. Um, and you know that's. And and I guess it's got an interesting premise because it starts out as the assignment, but I think when I was trying to find the third book and all that, the title eventually changes to the reassignment. Yes, and which, given what happens in here, that reassignment makes more sense. The title. Yes, it does. And and I kind of want to find I want to find books two and three so I can figure out how the hell what happened at the end of book one happened. Yes, it's there's a big cliffhanger in there. That you know, well, just kind of go into it. You know, the way this book opens, we see this character who's in a hospital, and it's the panels are focused in just on this person's eyes, and the eyes open, and they're distinctly female looking eyes. And with each panel, it, it's like the camera panning back and we see the head of this person and her face is completely wrapped up in bandages except for the eyes. And as the scene kind of further expands, this person's looking in the mirror and then we have a flashback to a fashion show in New York that happened some months earlier before the beginning of the book. And this uh, man who's, who's turns out to be the hire assassin for hires at this fashion show watching the show. And it's afterwards the designer who was the, who the show was, showcasing his work goes back to his dressing room and this assassin goes back and takes him out. I think he owed some money or he stole some money. He didn't, wasn't clear on that. I didn't think, but he, he had gotten some money inappropriately. Yes. So he, he fulfills that assignment and then, you know, he catches his plane or he gets paid. And, and then I next you see him, I think, Taking a flight San to Francisco. L.A. and he sets up, or San Francisco. That's it. I knew it was a California city, San Francisco, and just sets up in this seedy hotel, uh, pays for cash, and just kind of waits there. And then he's met by some individuals that want to hire him for this next trip. Correct. 
he meets with a gentleman called Gleason, who's apparently his contact, who puts him in contact with his prospective clients. And we we get the assassin's first name at this point. It's Frank. That's all we know is his first name is Frank. So he agrees to work for this character, Jin Dao, who wants him to kill someone who stole some money from him. And he agrees to, to do that. Yeah, and I guess in the conversation you end up finding out that this Jin Dao hardly ever goes out, but he came out to meet because apparently Frank is the best of the best. And so... You know, if you're if you're gonna do that, you need to meet face to face. So you're kind of, kind of, the conversation gives his background and what he's thought of, and I guess the criminal community about his skill set and you know his business dealings. Yes, and he's very surly. He, he he's wanting to hire Frank as an assassin, but he's insulting him. He's talking down, being very condescending, and Frank's agreeing to do the job, but he's. Not like there's no love lost between these two characters. No. And then we have a scene, kind of the scene shifts that he goes off and he's waiting, I guess, for the particulars about who the person is he's going to be taking out. And he goes sitting in a bar and he meets a woman and they start chatting up a conversation. She's very standoffish at first about, you know, I'm not here to look for any sort of relationship. But they end up having a tete-a-tete, so to speak. And she she starts kind of warming up to him. Even though she says she didn't want a relationship, she gives him her number. And, but he, he tells her, he said, I'm not going to be in town long, and I've got one specific job to do, and then I'm, I'm out. Then I was got, kind of got confused at the next point as to what exactly happened. But this Jin Dao calls him and he ends up going to meet them back at this seedy hotel. And I wasn't clear. It doesn't really say why or what the premise was of why they wanted to meet with him. But it becomes clear once he gets there and it's Mm -hmm. not good. It is not good. Yeah. So yeah, they end up in a firefight. Um, I don't have it in front of me. I can't remember if Frank kills them or whatever, but Frank gets injured. Frank kills the henchman that Jin Dao brought with him, but he doesn't kill Jin Dao. In fact, uh, he ends up getting the worst of this, this little gunfire. Yes. Gun battle. And he blacks out. So the last panel of this is just him being totally blacked out. And waking up in the hospital at some point, and this is apparently some weeks later, and he's has no memory of what has t- trans- transpired in the last several weeks. Yeah, and then you find out the woman that you saw at the beginning of the 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 book is Frank. Yes, which is he's been re- he's been gender reassigned. Which is, I think, <laughs> yeah, I understand that's the correct clinical term now instead of. Sex change. It's gender reassignment. So yes, now you're now the interest is peaked, and you, you need to. And uh, get, I'm assuming the next couple of issues follow along with what happened, why it happened, and the repercussions of what right, happened. Because that's that's where this first issue ends. It's just boom, right there with that revelation. 
and you're not saying, you know, there's a lot missing <laughs> in that that time period between the end of that gunfight and him waking up being reassigned. <laughs> it's an interesting, it's an interesting book. So, I really want to read the rest of it and find out what happened. Yes, and you know, since I've got the the floppy, I kind of want to complete the complete the collection of floppy, but I may have to like hoopla it or something just to, just so I can finish it up or find some other source for it. And as far as artwork, it's pretty standard comic book style. I don't know. Parts of it were kind of. Did it remind you of? Um, let me see if I can pronounce his name correctly. Sekonovich or Sekovich? Um, or maybe it's the, maybe the covers did. And he might have done the covers. I can't remember. Uh, the cover I have was done by Faye Dalton. So I've got it in front of me. It. Yeah, I can see that. But I, but I mean, from his from a, but from his eighty stuff, not his current stuff. And not when he got really abstract, like with his new mutants um, and later Moon Knight stuff. Maybe some earlier stuff when he started experimenting with his style. Right. I, I didn't read it. And when I read it, I didn't think of any particular artist. It didn't come anything come to mind. that Oh, this reminds me of so-and-so's work. But it's... You know, it's not very, it's not loose or very abstract. It's not hyper detailed. You know, it's what I call just comic book standard, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, the, the colors are kind of yeah. gritty. I will say that. So you, you the, the colors do convey like the, I mean, that's when we say it's a CD hotel room, the colors feel like that. The coloring feels like that. Correct. So I, I thought it was a really well done book. I enjoyed it, um, and I'm I'm looking forward to trying to find issues two and three and finishing as up the story. So, so I think the next books to come out were the girl with the dragon tattoo. So um, I guess this is yet another adaption. We've had the movie adaption. We've had well, you had the books first, then you've had the movie adaption, and I guess this is the comic yes, adaption. The original novel was by and, a Swedish author Stieg Larsson. And I, I, when I first saw this, I knew something was familiar. When, when I started reading the book, it immediately came back to me. I've seen the film for this a couple of years ago, and it stars, uh, the male lead in it is Daniel Craig, who's the current James Bond. So was he the, the, yeah. the superstar Super journalist? Okay. Yes. I do, I do not know how to pronounce all the Swede names, so I'm going to refer, refer to them as other descriptors. <laughs> but yeah, I've never read the book and I never saw the movie, so I I, I actually had you know, no no idea of about uh what the story was about or or anything in it. So I I kind of read it read through it with, you know, not knowing what was going to be on the next page. So, you know, I enjoyed it for that. Um, you know, my only thing is I thought sometime, 
I, it was kind of curious to the anatomy of the individuals in the book, because sometimes I thought their heads were a bit bigger than what their bodies could support. It seemed a little disproportionate, but I don't, I don't know. But, but that didn't take away from it anything. But I mean, it's, it's really this. This would be more of your detailed comic art for sure. It's more detailed, but it's also, I agree with you. In some cases, it's not overly realistic, especially the way they render his faces. And the auth, the artist on this is someone I've never heard of. Well, it's probably a European artist. I mean, I, I don't think it took away from the story or the book or anything. It was just, it was just, it's just different than what I'm used to seeing here with your traditional U.S. comics, which is the point to get out and try different things. But sort of, the, sort of the the premise of this book, how it begins, is this journalist whose name is uh, Mikhail. Blomqvist, who's a journalist, apparently a, a well-known journalist in Sweden, investigative well, journalist, an investigative journalist who has run into some bad trouble. Uh, he was investigating the dealings of one of the wealthiest men in Sweden, and it turned on him. They were able to implicate him and disprove or try to disprove all of his evidence. So that it looks like he's been guilty of libel, accusing this businessman of illegal dealings that couldn't be proved. So he's actually been convicted in civil court as far for you know libeling this businessman. So his career is in jeopardy, and the reputation of the paper that him and his partner have founded. So. Um, was it the uh, what was what Millennium, was the name of the paper? I'm trying is, to remember. Which is the overall Millennium. overall title of all these books? Like, if you look at the cover of this, it's called Millennium, the girl with the dragon tattoo. And the second book, second series, was Millennium, the girl who played with fire. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you you kind of get them, you kind of get the situation. So he's trying to distance himself from his paper so that it can survive, you know, the negative press. And I think he's, he's approached by an individual in a family that's been prominent in Sweden, very wealthy for many, many generations that he wants him to come and write the family history, but secretly he wants to investigate the disappearance of his niece from, 30, 40 years ago? 30, something around around 30 years. So they, apparently they this family lives on an island off off somewhere in one of the, in Sweden. So he's off on sabbatical to write this family history under the guise of, of, of family history, but investigating this disappearance, kidnapping, murder, whatever it could be. Because what was interesting was the reason the guy that uh, the individual that hired him, the, the uncle, his niece every year for his birthday would send him a pressed flower. And ever since her disappearance for the past 30 years, somebody has been sending him a pressed flower, taunting him that, Hey, I, I kidnapped your daughter and I did all this and you don't know who I am. And here's a pressed flower to, to, to prove that, 
you know, I did it and I know about you and you don't know who I am. Yes. And this gentleman, whose name is Heinrich, he's convinced that it's the murderer, that she's been murdered and it's the murderer that is sending him these flowers just to, you know, make yes. it more painful for him, keep the memory alive. So Blomqvist, who is, because of his reputation, has gotten the nickname Super Blomqvist, which he hates. He despises it. And everybody keeps calling him mm-hmm. that. <laughs> he keeps telling people, don't call me that name, but they do. And it's sort of a running gag through through the book. Yeah. And I guess the other aspect that they kind of keep highlighting in the book is that he has – so he's got – is it his partner and her husband have – or somebody he knows has a, they have an open marriage. And so he's the open, he's her open part of her marriage. Yeah, it's his female <laughs> associate at the paper. I think they sort of, yeah. Blomkvist and her sort of co-run the paper. Yes, she's married, but he's got an, an association with her and the husband knows about it and everyone's fine with it. So Everybody's fine and happy with it. And I think, I think one of the, uh, the funny scenes in one of the books is when they're at the table and, is it a niece or the the woman's daughter kind of kind of ask about the relationship and it's kind of like oh okay oh, right out right out and ask if they've had a three way sexual encounter and to which appalls <laughs> the child's mother but Bombquist is like oh you know no big deal no we haven't had that but it's like <laughs> I don't know I guess. If these things aren't as shocking in Sweden as they are maybe here in the United States. I guess it's just it just made for some interesting reads and you know some of the cultural, you know, things and why it's nice to read things outside of your comfort zone to kind of experience different right. cultures. Now the other story this the other storyline that's kind of going on along with this is this story of a young girl uh, Lisbeth Salander who actually mm-hmm. is does private investigations and she has worked for the gentleman who is sort of the, he works for Heinrich as well. I'm not really sure what kind of, he is just sort of a, you know, kind of a front man for the businesses. So he's worked with this girl, Elizabeth, who apparently has immaculate in, very developed computer hacking skills. Well, her and her partner, I mean, you kind of get that eventually, but at the beginning it kind of seems like her friend has these hacking skills and she's using him and she, she just does the the footwork and the investigative part and connects the dots. But later on, you're right. It seems that now she's developed the hacking skills. And I guess one of the things we left out is like uh, Heinrich's payment to Blomkvist is information on the individual that sued him for libel to kind of turn the yes. tables on him. So that's his, that's his ultimate goal in taking it. wasn't for money or anything. And he can't tell anybody else about, about what it is he's doing or the payment he's going to receive. Yes. Heinrich has told him that you do this for me, regardless of what you find out, whether you solve it, the murder or not, I will give you, the documentation you need to take down this businessman that has screwed you over. So he's got strong motivations there. Yes. 
And so I think we go halfway through the book where we've got these two lines going where Blomkist is digging into stuff, running into dead ends. Then he finds something and pulls another thread, and he's kind of going through it. And then Lisbeth, you meet she, – so supposedly she's – see, I got the impression she was older than 18, but she has a guardian. Yes. She was put in a into uh, a mental health institution at age 12, I think is what they said, for violence and some other actions. So she's essentially – she's been released – but it's as part of her release, she's a ward of the state, or in other words, she's having to to go under the care of a guardian. And the guardian, the man who's been her guardian for a number of years, early on in this book, has a stroke, and so they assign her a new guardian, who is uh, say he's a vile human being. Is sort of understatement. Yes, because her her. Her previous guardian seemed like more of a father figure. She really respected him, looked up to him, had, you know, kind of, you know, an emotional attachment to him. Then he had a stroke, and now she's gone over to this other individual that, you know, I'm going to only pay you out so much, and you better do things for me, or I'm not going to give you your allowance. And, you know, basically just assault, sexually assaults her. What finally brings them together is uh, Blomkist has been spending weeks on this investigation is not getting anywhere except he finds a diary written by Harriet with these names and numbers, odd numbers that he can't decipher, make any heads or tail of. And um, he's talking with Heinrich or his associate that works for Heinrich saying, you know, I need some help with investigating we're trying to find these numbers. And the guy says, I know the, the the exact person you need. So he brings in Elizabeth and introduces her to uh, Mikhail Blumquist. So now she's working on this case as well to try to decipher what these names and numbers mean. Mm-hmm. And so she sets up shop in the cottage you know, and they're working together doing leads. Um, they, they're they kind of investigating other members of the family, you know, digging into the family's past. And, you know, just now you're into your typical, you know, detective kind right. of story. And so I think at some point they, they've discovered something. And, and apparently, like, one of the family members is an, you know, ex-Nazi sympathizer and he's been on the island since World War II. Uh, He doesn't leave his cabin except for walks, you know, strolling around the island sometimes at night and he's in his old Nazi uniform. (laughs) (laughs) So, so when was this story written? Was this written in the eighties or, or, or when was, I know the comics come out now that's an adaption of it, but the book is written. So, you know, you know, that kind of took me as a surprise kind of getting into that part of the story, but then I got, okay, well, this was probably written in the 70s or the 80s, so, you know, okay, there you go. So, and so, at some point, they're investigating something, and they get start getting shot at, and then they think this, and they think this, um, 
this family member that's the Nazis doing it. So they break into his house, you know, and then he confronts them and catches them. Then he sits there and proves that, no, I didn't, you know, you can take a look at my gun. It hasn't been fired in so long. And plus, anyway, the, the bullets don't match it from the type. And, and by the way, I wouldn't have yes. missed. <laughs> and it starts to come together. You know, we start getting in from seeing information about there's a, apparently there's a number of unsolved murders that have happened over the last 30 or 40 years that began to start looking like they're committed by the same person that may tie in with Harriet. Yeah, and I, and I will say you start seeing flashbacks, and I didn't get the flashbacks at first in the book, in the in the comic. So you're seeing flashbacks to these previous murders, and I didn't realize there were previous murders. I thought they were just sequences of the of the niece as we were going through it. So it wasn't there towards the end that I kind of figured out. Oh, okay. So now we've had a history of the past, however many years there's been these murders. You know, this is this is how they're tied together. And I guess we, you know. I don't know if you've read anybody else has read the book or seen the movie, but I, you know maybe we won't give away the clues and all that. But he kind of like pieces together about what exactly it is. He gets captured by the killer. Elizabeth figures it out kind of soon, about at the same time that he's captured, and she comes to his rescue. And you know they they solve the case basically. And if you want to know how it's solved and the resolution of that, you need to go get the books and read What's them. The, uh... The interesting twist at the end that what Elizabeth does, she does something very unusual. We won't oh, yes. Yes. So, so this series ended up being, I mean, so these, the, there was two issues to this. They were both five ninety nine, but I think each issue had about three to four pages of a typical, you know, 22 page comic. Would you say? Maybe even more pages of content. So we're talking two and a half to three times the normal length of a comic book. So five ninety nine, six bucks for twelve bucks. I mean, it's almost the size of a trade paperback of four to six issues yeah, for twelve bucks. And these are and these are the floppies, so those are probably going to get collected into a trade that's maybe even cheaper than that, or probably around the same price. But I think it was. A, I th- I think this series was an excellent value. Um, I never read the books, didn't see the movie, but now I'm intrigued about a story, and I may go do both now. I wouldn't recommend it. I, the, the movie's really good, and it's. Uh, like I say, depends on how much. You know, I like Daniel Craig. He's actually my favorite uh, Bond over the last few years. So he does real good. And I don't know the actress's name, but she's really good in it. The only thing I know about that movie is the Nine Inch Nails version of okay. Immigrant Song. <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason I know that is because they played it on commercials when they were doing the post Battlestar Galactica movie uh, Blood and Chrome. They were playing that on, a, uh, on an unofficial commercial and I heard that. That was awesome and all that. And anytime I can talk about BSG, I'm happy to talk about BSG. But This is a comics podcast. Yes, it's a Nerdy Legion comics podcast, which means we can... <laughs> this is true. We can get derailed we're, as much we're as we want. required to, actually. I think it's part of our contract with you know, keeping in the tradition of the Nerdy Legion podcast and Valiant Central and all this other stuff. So, so no, it was a good, it was a good story. Um, I don't know if the movie follows like it in it, but there was a lot of sex. There was a lot of, there was Nazis. There was, yeah, Blomkiss gets around. Yes, he does. 
there's no age discrimination no, either. Yeah, I guess if you're uh, uh, well-known, high-profile investigative journalist in Sweden. So everybody gets their just desserts in the end. Everybody, you know, it's 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 it. The ending kind of gets tied tied up into a happy little knot. And then recently, I think in the past month or two, the first issue of the second book's come out, The Girl Who Played With Fire, and you kind of catch up with them after a year. And this seems to focus right. more on Elizabeth this time be- because she's been out doing stuff, traveling internationally and all that. Blumkist is, you know, he's was the hero after that, that story. He's been doing a few other things. They've got a new new story they're getting in on and everything. But then you find out so uh, in in the in the first two issues, so her new guardian had sexually assaulted her and she had found and then yeah. she had a revenge on him. Um well he's trying to get out of her revenge and she keeps threatening him. That's like you know, you gotta keep doing this, you don't tell anybody, or I'm gonna just make it life worse for you. Well, he ends up being killed and um, the police are after her now. And also in this second book, The Girl Who Played With Fire, we start seeing more about her background as a child and her family. Yeah, and why she was uh, got committed to the uh, to the state for violence and everything is because her dad was beating her mother and she wasn't going to handle it anymore. And she was trying to defend her mother and her yes, I have twin to say, sister. If I had her upbringing, I probably would have been ended up in a mental institution as well. Cause it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. It is not, not a happy. Yep. Going so you find out that she, pretty much she's been getting the short end of the stick for probably the past yeah, 10, 15 least, years. More than that. So through no fault of her own, you know, she's just had craps just, I mean, life's just crapped all over her. And that's kind of where, where she's at, why she's the way right. she is. But anyway, another good book. I, I, I'm liking everything I'm reading out of these hard case books. But I'm also... I like the crime noir, the hard-boiled fiction, so it's definitely something that's in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really a big crime noir kind of guy. Um, you know, I appreciate it, and I kind of like it on occasion. It's kind of like a mood for me. Uh, but, you know, I am enjoying these books maybe because it's like I don't feel I've got to read an entire novel or i got to sit through a two-hour show. You know, I can read the comic, and if I get to – if I start, you know – if I'm not enjoying it, I can put it down and just pick it up later. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, the the character... See, this is where I'm not reading a book, I guess. I can't tell, but in the comics, the, the books, the characters all have... They definitely have all their different voices. But is that because... Uh, if it's based on a novel, you know, if it was a good writer, the writer had different voices for the characters. And if you've read the novels, now you know the character voices, so it easily translates into the comic adaption. That's very possible. I haven't really thought it in those terms. But, yeah, it could be. It can be, very, it can be that way. Because even the minor characters have are seem kind of fleshed out and, and, and are distinct personalities. 
And I could think that's only because, you know, since it's based on the novel and the novel allows you to expand on right. the characters if you read it. So, so yeah, I mean, there's only been one issue of the girl who played with fire and you're kind of, you know, the first book, you know, I mean, basically that's, that, I mean, that's the synopsis of it. You know, Elizabeth comes back to town. She gets framed for the murder of her guardian. Blomacast, Blomacast hears about it and he's trying to find her and work with her to kind of prove her innocence because she knows she can't do that. And she's just on the run. And that's the end of the first book. And we're just waiting for the second one to come out to see how it resolves itself. This one doesn't seem as much detective work or as detailed as the as the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, I agree. Especially for Elizabeth, because we're really starting to find out about her, what's going on. Because we don't know what's been going on in this past year. We do know that Blomkvist has tried several times to reach her in this year-long period, and he can't seem to locate her. And he's, you know, not understanding what's going on here. No, because he became to really appreciate her hacking and deductive skills when they were like working right. on the the island for Heinrich. So, you know, he's he's, you know, he just wants to probably use her services in his investigative journalism because he realizes how valuable they are. Because at one point, I guess in the girl in the dragon tattoo, he figures out that she's been in his computer and spying on him and right. looking at his files and doing all that, which which was kind of funny too. So, you know, kind of a <laughs> kind of a warning for people. You know, it's doesn't matter how secure you make yeah. things; somebody's was, looking at we you. Found out recently with um, Equifax. Yes, <laughs> Equifax. Nothing is safe. Yes, assume nothing is is safe. It, even photos on your phone. So it, it never surprises me about these celebrities that have these compromising photos on their phone that somebody hacks into. Assume somebody's going to get it. So yes. somebody's going to get it. <laughs> now I'm off my soapbox. Uh, so there we are on that. So that's all. <laughs> anyway, the last book we're going to talk about is Normandy Gold. And I it think is. that's your favorite of these, is, these series so not far. An, an adaptation of a novel. This is an original comic book through uh, Hard Case Crime, written by Megan Abbott, uh, art by Allison Galen. And this one, the yeah, this, this takes place here in the United States in the 1970s. In the 1970s. It opens up in... The scene of a woman who is <laughs> just hunted and is gutting an elk. And she, uh, her name is Normandy Gold. And she goes into an explanation of how her parents, uh, she was, her father was in Second World War, I believe. Was supposed to be a boy, and they were going to name her Victory. And her dad was then killed in action at fighting at the, on the beaches of Normandy. During the Normandy invasion, so that's why her mother named her that. And she has grown up to, at some point, she, I didn't get if she became the legal responsibility or just a friends with a sheriff in rural Oregon. She ran away from well, she left home, ran away from home, ended up in Oregon. Um, was she correct committing a crime or was doing something when the sheriff found her, took her under her wing and taught her survival skills? Um, you know, kind of, um, 
code of honor and just became the right. father figure she never had. And she basically. ended up following in his footsteps. And now she is a sheriff. A take no nonsense, no Yeah, she's tough. No crap. Sure. <laughs> you don't mess with this woman at all. As you can see in those opening panels, because she's got no problem of there just, you know, getting this elk that she's just hunted. And there's one scene panel where she's driving back with the carcass of this thing in the bed of her pickup truck. But she gets a call <laughs> from her sister, her younger sister, that she left behind when she left home. And her sister's calling to tell her she's getting married. And it turns out she's in Washington, D.C., but somebody comes and knocks on the door while she's on the phone with her sister. She doesn't hang up. She puts the phone down and goes and answers it. And Normandy gets to hear what happens to her sister. And it's not good. She's killed. No, it's not. So Normandy has to pack up and she goes to D.C. to investigate her sister's murder. Right. And discovers that her sister has been a rather high-priced Washington call girl. Yes. So she has some... Um, Clients that are high up in the government, and so you put two and two together. Ah, government! Somebody's uh, promising to marry her. Whoops! Now they've got to take care of their their problem, and you know, you're, you know, maybe it's a little cliche, but yeah, your your corruptible government official decides that the best way to take care of the problem is to kill the problem. Yeah, and I and I forget what's the situation with how Normandy first meets. The local uh, detective. Because she gets arrested, doesn't she not? She just walks into the police station and demands to know what's going on with her sister. And these policemen, all of them being uh, misogynists and sexist, start making all these inappropriate comments. And she brings out this big, about eight inch long buck knife and threatens them. <laughs> threatens them. <laughs> which they finally corral her and get take her and arrest her and that's where she meets this guy Sturgis who actually turns out had worked her sister's case and it was a dead end he couldn't find any evidence but you know he sympathizes with Normandy and what she's going through and offers her as, as much information as he can but she's obviously uh, she's appreciative but she's not going to stop there she's not about to let stop so she's going to find out what's going on so this is where it really gets interesting because she, she needs to find out what's ha happened to her sister who was a high-priced call girl in washington so what better way to find to get in information about what she's been doing than to herself become a high-priced call girl yes and she be, she goes deep undercover <laughs> so to speak but i'm boom <laughs> And goes full on call girl. So, um, yeah, she doesn't pull anything, does all the tricks, and just starts working herself through her sister's for, uh, associates and clients until, she, you know, as she's going through this. Now, I think issue three's out, and you, I don't know if this is going to be a four issue or six issue, so. We're still through the process of her going through her sister's clients, uh, connections, uh, madams, uh, and, and everything else to kind of get to who did this and why. Right. And she's she finally just gets the identity of the person that 
um, her sister was supposedly engaged to. He turned out to be a really bizarre, really twisted guy. Well, he's a senator too, wasn't he? Yeah, he's a senator or justice department. I can't remember. But anyway, she finds him and then ends up uh, gutting him. Yes, and then so you think you're thinking this is going to be the end of the situation. She finds. Well, uh, see, that's where it gets a little bizarre because she guts him, and then she's cleaning up the mess. The the maid comes in, sees her, the body, and all the blood goes runs out screaming. And then she comes out, meets the detective or something, comes back, and everything's cleaned up. Right. So I, that that yes. sequence was kind of confusing to me. Well, it's obviously something's bigger going on here because she meets, she finds a guy, Cell, name is, and she brings up her sister. You know, you know my sister, Lila, who is short for Delilah, who her sister was. And, yeah, she ends up just, she's really good with that buck knife. Uh, she is really good with that buck knife. <laughs> But yeah, she ends up killing this guy in the hotel room, trying to dispose of the body. But then the maid comes in and she finally just more or less says, screw it. Walks out of the hotel, still carrying the knife. Covered in blood. Yeah, where she's arrested. Ends up back with talking to this Detective Sturgis again. And she's ready to face the consequences. She's done what she came to do. She's gotten her revenge. She's ready to, you know, admit what's going on and, and take the consequences. And then, so Sturgis, that's when he takes her back to the hotel room to look at what transpired. And there's nothing. The carpet, the bloodstained carpet is immaculately clean. The body that she put in the closet is gone. And then a little later, there's a, there's a new, there, on the news it shows that the Senator died in a, uh, an air Airplane crash or a waterboat crash or some cra- so there was some accident in which he died, right? Which is playing immediately, you know, soon after they get to the hotel room. <laughs> so and Sturgis ends up telling Normandy, you know, you, this is big stuff. You're we're both in way over our heads here because essentially, says I can't even arrest you now for this because if it never happened, it never happened. There's no evidence at all. So now we see that this is going to be much bigger than what originally thought. But um, well, it's moved on beyond a simple revenge story. And Normandy is not content to just leave it where it is. She wants to find out more about what's going on. So that's how the third issue ends. You know, not her going, realizing she's there's going to be a lot more to this than she would originally thought. Yeah, and I think so. These books here, they're so normally gold's like three ninety nine, and I think it's is it regular comic size or is there additional yeah, pages in it? They're, they're pretty much standard size comic books, twenty two, twenty three pages. Yeah, content. but I I think the art's in it's really good. Um, it's it's a different style than the other the two books we've talked about. Um, and the, the the coloring's good, so it's you know it's it's standard, you know, comic book art and coloring and. The lettering's all good, um, and I think the story is excellent. It's so difficult to discuss art because it's, it's there's no accepted, agreed upon words or verbiage or descriptions. Yeah, some well, people say something like, "Oh, it's, it's very cartoony." Well, what does that mean? I I, I try to avoid using words like cartoony. Yeah. Well, I like to I like to think of as does the art help push the story forward? Or, you don't want panels where you can't tell what's going on. And none of the panels or the styles keep me from figuring out what's going on. 
Right. I don't look at them and go, what? And it's consistent. You don't always get that. Sometimes you'll see a character that in two different panels on different pages and the character doesn't look the same. And if you didn't know what was happening, if you weren't reading the dialogue, you would know that this is the same character, but it's very consistent with here. You know, Normandy looks the same in every panel. Uh, Sturgis looks the same. It's very well done, very consistent. But I'm not sure what I like about this so much about this book over the others. I think it's Normandy herself. She is such a fascinating character to me. Who's like I say, no nonsense, not going to take anything off of anybody. Is willing to do literally anything to get information, as we see. I mean, she's willing to do what a lot of people would consider completely reprehensible things to get information, but it just, it's all just like water off her back. She just does it to get what she needs to, to find out. No, no, uh, yeah. So, you know, very strong female character. Uh, really good and thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, can't wait for issue four to come out to kind of see where the story goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I know those are the three books that are currently out now. So coming later here in November, I think we're getting um, the girl who handcuffed Houdini. Yes. And then we're getting Quarry's War. Correct. So those will be the next ones coming out. And um, they look pretty good. I've already got them on my pull list for when they come out. The rest of these I've had to hunt down uh, afterwards. But, you know, I think they were in September's uh, previews. We might have talked about that on our previews episode about these two. I think we did, at least briefly. So, uh, I mean, looking forward to these and looking forward to where uh, the current ongoings are, are going. I don't guess they're ongoings, but the current books that we're in the middle of are going, and now I got, and then I got to track down the assignment and the reassignment. Uh, but highly recommend the Hard Case Crime imprint. I think Titan's, Titan's doing a good thing with these, and they're they're. It's nice and refreshing to have something that's a different read than our, you know, the the typical comics out there. Even I mean, even some of the independents and the stuff are doing out out there. This is just, it's just, it's they're just good fun reads. I agree. I don't know. I don't know how better to describe them. <laughs> you, you'll enjoy them. Well, they're just they're really high quality. Like, as you said before, the the writing is solid. The art solid. It just it's very well done. They're not they're not heavy books, but they're not lightweight either. Well, you get you're getting the value for your money. Some you know you, you may look. I mean, I know we talk about it all the time, but you're going to like the girl with the dragon tattoo series. You're going to sit there and see five ninety nine, and the first thing that's going to pop in your head five ninety nine for a comic, but they're they're solid, well written, good art books, and you get sixty something pages an issue. Right. Yeah, that was that was funny. When I first saw that, I thought the same thing. It's like, oh my gosh! And then I just flipped through and counted the pages, and I'm like. Well, that's yeah. That's got to be worth it, at least worth a picking up. And we haven't been disappointed. We haven't been. And if you do, like we mentioned, to go back to Hoopla, I know the girl with the dragon tattoo is on Hoopla. Well, you normally you, go well so. at, at your library. What's at on Hoopla? What's on, what's on Hoopla at your library may not be on Hoopla at somebody else's library. That that's the one thing I don't know. Oh, I thought I thought that was pretty consistent. But 
I've only had it. I've had the app for less than a week, so I, I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay. But it makes sense since that's a novel that the library would actually have that comic on there. What would be interesting to see is if they have Normandy Gold and you know some the more original uh, material. Right. And I don't mean to be an apologist for Hoopla, but it's really <laughs> I'm just it's really a, a good resource. Hey, for free. You can't beat it. It's easier than going to the library and having to check out stuff and bring it back home. Yes, absolutely. So what else we got tonight, Jay? Are we kind of winding this down? I think that's it for tonight. I sit here and listen to the rain. Some heavy rains coming into my area. So oh, Nothing wrong with that. All right. So if you want to kind of reach us, I'm at U-T-E-N-G-R on the Twitter machine. I think we were at BOTR on Twitter, or is there more? BOTR, to- BOTR Comics at BOTR Comics on Twitter. Yeah, you can you can you can see how much I use Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm checking it, so I will see it if you put it out there. So, and I'm at J Forgets at J Forgets on Twitter. And the email is BOTR Comics at gmail.com okay so we haven't moved over to the nerdy legion not yet i don't don't, that's in the works but for right now that's where we're at well there i think there's some uh i think that it was moving to a new host and some other things so i think we're gonna let all that get settled down and then we're gonna gonna make our switch yes Martin has all sorts of things in the work. Oh, he's always got something in work. I think. Well, I think. The, I think the man sleeps an hour a night, <laughs> if that. An hour. I thought it was an hour a week, but I may be wrong. <laughs> and just a reminder: on um, you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And if you have the time and would like to give us leave us a review on iTunes. We would appreciate that. Oh, yes, because that makes us easier to find for people that are out there searching for something to listen to. Yes. Well, I think we can uh, wrap this up. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, sir. And we'll talk to you next time. Good evening. That wasn't terrible. That was pathetic. Boom. Nerdy Legion. Nerdylegion.com.